0: All right. Thanks so much. <clears throat> well, good morning, Orchard Hills. Morning. Welcome again to everybody here in the room, those who are outside, those watching online. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us. My name's Sutton Wirt. I'm the community care pastor here. And uh, yeah, we're glad that you're with us today. Uh, if you are new or wanting to get more connected, we've got these connection cards right there in the seat in front of you. If you're outside, they're with the offering box. Um, if you would grab one of these, fill it out, drop it in our offering boxes, we would love to get connected with you Uh, We've got those forms digitally online as well, so we'd love to to get to know you better. Thanks for being here. Um, So, we have have recently wrapped up. Last week, we finished our fall series, Made for God, about gender and um, sexuality and those matters. Uh, But we realized, as we were going through that, that we have been focusing a lot on brokenness and on broken relationships. And so, in a few weeks, we've got uh, Compassion Sunday coming up, we've got... um, Vision Sunday coming up, but for the next three, we want to focus on healthy relationships. Um, and so I'm going to talk today about healthy singleness. Um, and then next week, Scott is going to talk about healthy friendships, and then the following week we'll do healthy families. And our hope is that um, God would, would make us a community of relationships that are healthy, that are vibrant, that are what He wants them to be. Um, and so, yeah, we hope that that is for our good and for God's glory. So, let me start by saying that I feel um, unqualified to speak on this topic. Um, as someone who got married at the ripe old age of 21, um, I did not spend a lot of my time being single. Uh, in fact, a friend reminded me that my, um, my brain was not even fully developed, and so my singleness doesn't really count. Um, <laughs> I wasn't single with a fully developed brain. <laughs> Um, but that being said, the Word of God does speak to this topic. And so we, um, yeah, I'm going to try to get out of the way and let, let the Lord speak to us through His Word. Um, but I would like to say, for, for you married folks here, before you check out, um, this topic actually in, in the Scripture has a lot to say to, to the attitudes of married people toward the single folks in our lives um, and in, toward our attitude Um, about marriage and about singleness. So there's something for everyone here, and I think the Lord's got some good stuff for us. Um, So let's turn our attention to him uh, in prayer, and then we will look at the scripture together. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we have sung of your greatness, uh, of how good and worthy and glorious you are. And so, Lord, as we turn our attention to you, to your word, we pray that our, our ears would be open to hear from you, um, that our thoughts and our attention would, would just be um, focused on you. Lord, that beyond this space, our lives would be lives that are um, Godward, that are focused in your direction every moment of the day. Lord Jesus, we want you to be our goal, you to be our prize, you to be the treasure that we're living for. So would you do that among us? Would you change our hearts even more to fall more in love with you today? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so we're in 1 Corinthians 7 today. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, if you've got a Bible, we'd love for you to go ahead and turn there. Um, if you don't, we've got some in the seats in front of you. This is on page 1132 of those Bibles. Um, this, 1 Corinthians, is a letter from Paul to the church at Corinth, um, and they are notorious, kind of, in the New Testament for being all kinds of jacked up. Um, They were having all kinds of issues, sexual issues, uh, issues with church practice. They were suing each other. They were a mess. Uh, But Paul still writes to them, and he calls them saints. He doesn't identify them as the sins they're struggling with. He identifies them as who they are in Jesus, as God's saints, his chosen ones. Um, And so we want to keep that in mind as, as we go into this today. Um, And so in this section that we're dropping into today, uh, Paul is reminding them that they're filled with God's Holy Spirit as God's people. And so all of their relationships uh, should be centered first around Jesus as Lord and then on serving one another in love. Um, And so this chapter, chapter 7, has some great insight on on marriage, on singleness, on remarriage. But we're going to focus in on uh, the passages that have to do with singleness today. Um, So first, we'll look at verses six and seven. And those first verses before that, Paul is kind of answering their question. They're like, is it even right for anyone to have sex? And he's like, yes, absolutely. Within God's bounds of marriage, it's a good thing. But then he says this in verses six and seven. He says, now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am. He's talking about singleness. He's saying, I wish everyone else was single like me. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So Paul, like Jesus, was a single man Um, all of his days. As far as we know, he never married. Um, And here he begins by saying that he he doesn't he's not commanding everyone to be single, but he wishes that everyone was. (laughs) Certainly, it'd be a lot simpler and he wouldn't be having these problems with the church that he was having. Um, But then he says that each one of us has received a gift from God, referring to whether we are single or married. And so our our first point today is this. Singleness and marriage are both good gifts from God. Singleness and marriage are both good gifts from God. Unfortunately, though, the church has often gotten this wrong in, in two major ways. The first is this. The church has often talked about singleness Like, it's some kind of special ability or superpower that people have. Some people have it, some people don't. Um, Like one of the superheroes in a movie that gets stuck with a a lousy power. Um, Some single people are feeling like, Lord, you stuck me with this power that I don't want. (laughs) I I didn't ask for this, why did you give it to me? Um, But that is not at all what Paul is saying here. He is not saying that singleness is some kind of special ability that a person has, but rather that singleness and marriage are both seasons of life that are good gifts from God. That singleness and marriage are both times which we are to receive from the Lord as his goodness and his kindness toward us. Both are good and valuable times in which the Lord wants to work on us in different ways and through different means, but that he wants to work in us, On us to make us more like Jesus and for our character to look more like his. And so whatever season of life you find yourself in, it's not a result of God's anger or his displeasure to you, but it is a sign of his favor. His favor. It's a gift from him for your good and your ultimate joy in him. The second way the church has missed this idea is that it's treated singleness much more like a curse than a blessing. Have you all noticed this? Um, if someone's going through their 20s or 30s, then you know the only question a married person can think to ask them is, well, uh, "Are you dating someone? Uh, who are you going out with? Are you seeing anyone?" That's all we can come up with. As if getting married is the point of a person's life. And it's even worse in Christian circles, as if getting married is the point of Christianity. It's not but we kind of talk about it like it is. And we say stupid stuff too, especially to women. Things like, you're too strong and independent. You need to calm down before a man's going to pursue you. Or maybe maybe there's some sin in your life that you need to get rid of and then God'll send the right person along. Or just lower your standards. You're being too picky. Y'all can laugh, it's okay. That's, that is a nonsense thing to say. Don't ever say that to anyone. But these are the kinds of things that we say when we don't understand that singleness is a good gift from God. And, and here's the deeper issue. As a church, we have to own up to two things. The fact, first of all, the fact that we do not believe that singleness is a good gift from God because we're not acting like it. And two, the fact that we have made an idol of marriage. We have made an idol of marriage. Church, the way that we treat single people reveals what we really believe around these matters. And the reality is, is that we do not believe what God says on this topic. Instead, we have bought the lie that sex and romantic love are the highest good that this world offers. We have bought our culture's lie that sex and romantic love are the highest good that this world offers. And we've put it in a sanctified box called marriage. And we've said, okay, I'm going to, you know, take these idols that I have, sex and romance, and I'm going to do them God's way. I'm going to put them in the box of marriage. And so it's okay. I can still idolize these, but it's within God's boundaries. And church, we need to repent. We need to repent. The reality is, is that you were made for God. He is the highest good possible in this world and in this life. And yes, marriage is a picture of that. It is a beautiful, good, and glorious picture of the relationship that Jesus wants to have with us, his bride, the church. But it is just that. It's a picture. It's a picture. And our relationship with Jesus is the reality, the real thing. Marriage is a shadow, and our relationship with Jesus is the substance. Marriage is temporary, and our relationship with Jesus is eternal. Marriage will not last forever. It's, it will not last forever. It's not eternal. And it certainly cannot satisfy the longings of your soul for deep intimacy and connection. And I say this as a happily married man Kayla is the best woman I know, and I love her dearly, and our relationship is sweet. But that relationship cannot satisfy all that my soul is longing for. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can. We long to be fully known and fully loved. And the lie that our world would have us believe is that another person can give that to you, that another person can fulfill you, that a spouse can complete you, that a human being could be your everything. Lies. Lies. Lies the longing of our souls for deep intimacy can only and ultimately be met in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's look back at the text together. Um, We'll read a little bit longer of a section this time. 1 Corinthians 7. Let's do from verses 25 to 31. He says, Now concerning the betrothed... Let's stop there, actually. um, (laughs) That word in the Greek, you might have a little footnote in your Bible, it says, or virgins. So the betrothed there is just translating the word virgins in Greek. Um, And so the expectation then under these things is is that when we're encouraging you to to celebrate singleness, saying that it's a good thing, we're not saying it's a good thing because then you can just be sexually free and do whatever you want with whoever you want. Um, The expectation here in Scripture is that if you're a single person, Uh, That you're living a celibate life, that you're not engaging in sexual activity. And that's just baked into the text here. So he says, Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. And I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. So this brings us to our second point. Number two, life is short and eternity is just around the corner. Paul and the other apostles and believers of Jesus' day lived their lives as though Jesus would come back any day. And 2,000 years later, we are still called to the same thing. The time is still short. Jesus could come back at any moment. But church, those of us who are living in the wealthy, comfortable West are way, way too comfortable with this world and its comforts as our home and it's not. It's not our home. This world, as Paul says, in its present form is not our home. And over and over in the New Testament, uh, the the scriptures refer to believers as strangers and exiles, pilgrims who are passing through on their way to a better city. Uh, It says a, a heavenly Jerusalem that God is preparing to bring down for us, a place that Jesus is preparing for us. That is our home. This world is not our home. And so Paul is saying, stop living like it. Stop living like it is. He's not saying ignore your wife and pretend you don't have one. He's saying live as though the temporary really is temporary. Live with the eternal in mind. Live with all of your attention and passion focused on Jesus and let everything else come under that banner. He is your goal. Surely things like marriage and and worldly goods that he mentions here are nice, and there's no sin in having them, but they will not last, and they will increase your troubles. The word for trouble here means an internal pressure that causes someone to feel confined, a narrow space that hems someone in. And in a sense, that's what marriage is. Much different from our idolized, you complete me kind of of romantic nonsense, marriage is a crucible. It's a crucible. It's a place of pressure and refinement. And Paul says, I'd love to spare you that. So don't rush in. Don't assume that marriage is God's plan for your life. Don't assume that if your spouse has passed away or you're divorced, that God's plan is for you to get remarried. There is purpose in singleness, just as there's purpose in marriage. Don't think that marriage is just going to be a happy, warm, and fuzzy, peaceful kind of thing. Marriage is a temporary crucible. And for sure, singleness, too, is its own crucible. Don't hear me to say that singles have it easy. Marriage is not God's only tool to mature people, and married people are not more mature than single people. That's another thing that we need to repent of, uh, a thing we need to not put on our single friends but marriage does have its own particular troubles. And Paul says here that he'd rather us be spared. Uh, he'd rather us be freed up to pursue Jesus with everything that we have. I think of, uh, I think of Dio, our miss- missionary in the Dominican Republic. He's able to run after Jesus. Um, he's not bound by a wife or children. He's able to come and visit us quickly. He's able to help teams morning or night as they come and visit his country Um, I think of myself when I was leading young life as a single person. I was able to quickly be in the lives of kids. And and now, as a married person, my ministry's changed. It's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. But my first ministry is to my wife and my kids. And so it's different. Um, And so the troubles that Paul's talking about aren't you're going to be miserable in marriage. But they are that it's different and it's going to be challenging, um, more challenging than most of us expect. So let's continue to read. I say this for your own benefit, your own eternal good, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order, and here's the key, to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Verse 36, if anyone thinks that he's not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes, let them marry. It is no sin, but whoever is firmly established in his heart being under no necessity but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord, a believer. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I, too, have the Spirit of God. And so here's our third and final point today. Whether we're married or single, the goal is always this, undistracted devotion to Jesus. Undistracted devotion to Jesus. So throughout this passage, and in contrast to the church today, Paul has been saying, if anything's better in this conversation of marriage or singleness, it's singleness. Singleness is the better thing. He's not saying marriage is bad. He's not saying that it's a bad thing to desire marriage or to pursue it um, or that any part of it is sinful or wrong. But he is saying that singleness has distinct benefits, distinct benefits. Now, don't hear me to say that it has worldly benefits, benefits of being sexually free to do whatever you want, benefits of hoarding up lots of money just for yourself so you can be fine and do fine. It's not about you, but it has distinct spiritual benefits. Benefit. Specifically here, he says freedom from particular troubles, freedom from particular anxieties, and an increased ability to focus on the Lord as your only and primary passion. Paul is saying marriage is good, yes, but if devotion to Jesus is the point of the Christian life, then singleness is even better. Singleness frees you up to pursue Jesus single-mindedly. And indeed, that is the point for Paul, uh, for the church of his day and the church of this one. We are called to undistracted devotion to Jesus. Undistracted devotion to Jesus. He is the treasure. He is the prize. He is the one that is worth living for. And our attitude towards singleness is actually an excellent barometer of whether we really believe that or not. So single friends, are you seizing the benefits of this season and running after Jesus? Or are you allowing other things to temporarily distract you and pull you away from him? Are you living for the benefits the world has to offer, making your singleness just about yourself, doing what you want with whomever you want? Are you making about Jesus in single-minded pursuit of him? Are you yearning and pining for marriage, hoping that marriage will fulfill the desire you have for intimacy and connection? It won't. That fulfillment is ultimately found in Jesus Christ alone. And married friends, are we idolizing marriage and unintentionally proclaiming that false gospel to our single friends? Are we putting them down or making them feel bad for the single of season, the, the season of singleness that the Lord has has them in? Are we believing the lie that marriage completes us or that it takes us to some kind of other spiritual level? If we are, then it's probably evidence of the fact that we do not believe Jesus to be the highest good that this life has to offer and that we are distracted and divided in our devotion to him. So how might things look different as we continue to grow in these things together as a church? Let me speak to the church first. We need to celebrate singleness. Rather than intentionally or unintentionally pushing uh, singleness down or to the margins of our church culture, we need to celebrate folks who are single. In our church, we have all kinds of single people. We have folks who have never been married. Uh, we have people who've been married and are divorced. People who've been married and whose spouses have passed away. Uh, we even have people who probably feel single when they come to church because their spouse doesn't participate or come with them. Uh, But regardless, we have so many who are in the midst of different and unique seasons of singleness here in our church. And if the scripture today is saying anything, it's that we must repent of minimizing and sidelining singles as a part of our church family and instead celebrate them. Marriage does not make you a whole person. And single people are not incomplete or less than married folks. So let's stop acting that way. Let's stop thinking that way and talking that way, even if it's unintentional. Singleness does not disqualify you from any kind of service in Christ's church. As a single person, you have gifts that the body needs. Paul says that he, he compares the church to a body and we're all different members. And if a, a, a piece of the body is missing, then that body does not function as well as it could. Single people, you are needed and valued Here, we need the gifts that God has given you for the building up of his body, his bride, the church. Every member is essential. In couples and families, we need to be active in inviting singles into our homes, into our tables, and incorporating them into our lives. The church is the family of God, and Jesus was clear that the ties that bind this family are thicker than blood, thicker than blood the relationships that we have here as the body of Christ go deeper than our physical blood relations. And so no single person should feel lonely or isolated in the church because of the overwhelming love that they experience here within the body of Christ. Y'all, this is an area where, by, by God's grace, we must do better. We must do better. And to any single folks here, let me say this. The call to singleness, however long it may may be, whether it's a lifetime, whether it's a, a particular season the Lord has you in, the call to singleness is not a call to loneliness. Marriage is a temporary relationship, but friendship, friendships with brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, those are not temporary. Those are eternal. Those are relationships that will last forever and so my charge to you would be to, pursue bold, uh, to boldly pursue deep, committed, gospel-centered friendships. Marriage is not essential to a whole and fulfilled life. Sex and romance are not needs, no matter how much our culture preaches that to us in every song and in every movie and in every story. But connection and intimacy are human needs. And by God's mercy, he has provided, he has given us provision for that first and foremost in Jesus, the eternal lover of our souls. And secondly, he's provided for us for that intimacy and connection right here in his body, the church, our forever family, the family of God. This is his plan for eradicating loneliness. This is his plan for bringing people from broken families and individuals who are hurt and needy, bringing all of us together into a new and better family that he has called the church, his bride, his people. These relationships will last forever. And to every one of us, let me say this. The call for all of us today to love and to pursue Jesus with undistracted devotion is the chief call of this passage in the New Testament, and whether you're single or whether you're married, that is the call on our lives, to run after Jesus with undistracted devotion. He is our heavenly bridegroom. There is one marriage that is eternal, and that is the one between us, his bride, and he, the groom. And so now, in this in-between period, the Bible compares it to an engagement period. Jesus uses engagement language when he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I return, I'm going I'm to come again to bring you to myself that where I am, there you may be. And so one day, this intimacy that we have with Jesus that we're just getting a little taste of now, it's going to be fully consummated in a way that goes beyond our wildest dreams. There will be a depth of connection and intimacy and relationship with God and with each other. And so many of us who are gathered here today are going to experience that together. We'll see Jesus face to face. He says that he's preparing this new heavenly Jerusalem, that it's going to come out of the clouds, that heaven and earth will be made new and brought together, and we will live in peace and in joy and in adventure and delight with him and with each other forever. Amen? Amen. That's good news. That is good news. And so how could we not be pursuing Jesus with all that we have? How could we be pushing single people to the side or idolizing our marriages when Jesus has offered us everything we need, everything our souls desire in himself? And so church, the call today is to pursue Jesus. He has pursued us. He has died for us. He has come for us. Even while we were sinners, he died for us. From heaven he came and sought a bride. And he is wooing us and pursuing us, drawing us to himself. And even now, we as the church rally together and we say, come Lord Jesus, come. We long for the day of your return. And so church, that's my prayer for us, that we would be a bride eagerly longing for Christ, ready and waiting for the day of his return May that be true of us. May that be our heart's cry. May that be our prayer. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have pledged yourself to us, that you are preparing a place for us. And one day soon, maybe even this very day, you're going to come again to bring us to be with yourself always. Lord, I pray that that joy, that delight, that excitement would permeate our whole beings, would permeate our whole lives, that that, that we would not live as if this world was our home, that we wouldn't be seeking temporary distractions. Lord, that that marriage and singleness both would be uh, honored and celebrated in this church, but that they'd also be in their proper place under delight and joy and satisfaction in you. Lord, I pray for, um, yeah, just for everyone here today. If there's are single folk who are uh, feeling just worn out and weary, not wanting to be single anymore or not wanting to pursue a relationship or whatever it might be, I pray that you'd lift their heads. Let them know how valuable and, um, yeah, how much you care about them. Speak to them of the good plans that you have for them. And Lord, for anyone here today who is married and struggling, or, or married and idolizing it, or whatever it might be, Lord, I pray that they would look to you and you alone as their hope. Oh, Lord Jesus, if anyone here doesn't know you, would they hear your call to come to you, to find all the life and the joy and the peace and the love that they need in you. Lord Jesus, we turn our thoughts, our hearts, our attention to you now. Speak to us, we pray in your name. Amen.